You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 99, featuring special guest Gianna Yanelli of Broadway's Mean Girls. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic, or join our Facebook group, The Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. in on a little secret? Thriving on social media does not have to be as daunting as it sounds. So let me help you. With my brand new online course, The Essential Guide to Instagram for Actors, you'll learn all my insider tips into defining your brand, creating high quality content, increasing your engagement, and building a following on Instagram. Take it from someone who started on social media completely from scratch in 2017 and built an empire of over 10,000 loyal followers. If I can do it, so can you. To get started, go to actoraesthetic.com Instagram. Hi friends, it's Maggie. Thanks for joining me this week on another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. I am so excited to share with you this episode because I got to chat with fellow former Texas State Bobcat, Gianna Yanelli. Gianna is a New York City-based actress who recently made her Broadway debut in the original cast of Mean Girls. She has performed at the Tony Awards, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and SNL. Gianna also appeared on Law and Order, SVU, and regionally in Saturday Night Fever, Fiddler on the Roof, Junie B. Jones, and more. She has her BFA in musical theater from Texas State University. In this episode, I chat with Gianna about her college audition process, studying musical theater at Texas State University, auditions and side jobs in New York City, and her eventual very exciting Broadway debut in Mean Girls. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Gianna, thank you so much for joining us this thank week you. for the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. Start off by telling us where you grew up and how you initially got involved in theater. So I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, and well, when I was a kid, my dad would play Barbara Streisand a lot. And so I would listen to Barbara all the time. I didn't really know like who she was. I just know that I, there are like videos of me dancing in my diaper to like the, her jingle bells. Like it's a, no, not the jingle bell. It's jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all the way is like my iconic childhood memory. Uh-huh. And so my dad had this obsession with Barbara Streisand and my parents both have really good taste in music. I mean, I feel like that generation of parents anyways, if like you were a teenager in the sixties and seventies, even early 80s mm. that the music was so you know what I mean so I, we had so much of my, my life was surrounded by really good music yeah and so I would always 
perform for my family. Like I would force them to sit down and I would like choreograph and perform. And then I had this obsession with Britney Spears because in the 90s when we're kids, like that's when the boy bands and like Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, like Mm -hmm. all of them were about. So then I had this thing where I like wanted to be a pop star. So there was like this, this, I knew that I wanted to do something. At first I wanted to be Britney Spears and I wanted to be famous, but then you know, when I went to school, so like in second grade, when I was allowed to do the shows there, I started doing shows. And then I was like, oh, wait, I really like this. You know, she started young. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, she did. Eight years old, sis. Eight. <laughs> and I like, I remember even at a young age, like I remember specifically more so when I was like 13 was a big transition for me in terms of like, I knew I wanted to do this for life was mm-hmm. I was I played Gertrude McFuzz and Susical. I just remember like loving being on stage because I felt like I was in an like having an escape from reality and was able to delve into somebody else with a little bit of myself with mm-hmm. like the ego of having some people watching me with, you know, it it just like all of the above, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't even think I realized why I wanted to do theater until college really. Like, which is wild because I chose to major in it, but I don't even. Yeah. I mean, you chose to major. What was, did you always know that you wanted to go to school for, for theater? No, I, I, so up until I was 16, I wanted to move to New York straight away. And then I went to Broadway Theater Project, which is now kind of TPAP. And they're like, whatever, it's, you know. Mm -hmm. And when I went there, that's when I learned all about the colleges. That's when I learned about like the top three. And like, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be, not supposed to be, but I was like, oh, maybe I should be going to school for this. Mm. But there was always in the back of my mind, I always wanted to leave to go to, to, New, to New York because I, I would ask my mom for an agent every single birthday. <laughs> and she would be like, no, you need to have a normal life. And I would beg her, be like, please, I just want to have an agent. So I always wanted to just work, <laughs> mm-hmm. but my mom really wanted me to get a degree. Mm. So, you know, my dream school was, you know, Michigan, Carnegie Mellon. Texas State was not on the map. I was the first class. So they weren't yeah, like- they were brand I, new. Yeah. So it's like, I wasn't even thinking about going there because I didn't know anything about it. So I joined MTCA and Moo Crew because, oh, yeah. yeah, I wanted to have like the perfect audition ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when Mariana Denard from Moo Crew told me that there is this new program at Texas State. And I kind of scoffed at it. I'm not going to lie. I, mm. I'm a Philly girl who is like, Texas State? Like, what? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Like, what in the world? I've never even heard of this program. And second of all, I'm not going to the South. Like, I, I just like the idea of it was like, what? So I put it on my list because it was like, why not? Because it was mm-hmm. at Unified. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to just go and do it. And like, I'm sure you felt the same way. There was just something about Caitlin and my audition experience was truly one of a kind. And she offered me on the spot. (laughs) I remember it was between Texas State and CCM. Mm. And I had visited both places. And there was just that gut feeling about 
taking the risk to go there. And I think what I love so much about Texas State was that they were so deeply rooted in individuality. And even at that time, before it was even like that much of a program, it was so rooted in individuality and like acting. And I knew that's what I wanted to do because of my high, like my then high school experience, I learned how to be an actor basically. So I knew that that was important for me. And that's why I then went to Texas state, but even my first year there, I have to admit, I didn't want to go to school. Like I remember coming home because freshman year is so hard. So like everybody freshman year is sort of like, Oh God, the transition phase. So when I got home going into sophomore year, I remember being like, I don't know if I want to continue going to school. Like, I'm not happy. I just want to be working all this stuff. And my mom was like, let's try to stick it out one more year. And I did. And it was worth it. It was worth it. I definitely don't regret my decision. I feel like I became a better person by going to Texas State. You know? I totally, I totally vibe with that because, you know, on a similar scale, we're both from the East Coast. Yes. I was not ever thinking I would be going somewhere in the South, no. let alone so is so far away. It was it's like a so it's four-hour so. flight, like, and I'm such a homebody already. Yeah. And also, like, growing up so close to the city, I know. you don't want to go away from it. I when know. You, you know, I it was it's a big decision, and also what a big decision it was for you because of your previous knowledge of the colleges that you wanted to go to, what a big decision it was for you to choose Texas State over CCM. I know. And, you know, that freshman year, I really sat with a lot of wonder and maybe some sort of regret because I was like, did I make the right decision? Mm -hmm. And it really is wild to think about because – I'm really grateful that I had that sense that I listened to my gut at such a young age because so many people would have chosen CCM. Yeah. And like, I remember Tim Heller got into Michigan and Chris got into CMU and um, Zito also got into CCM and every single one of us chose Texas state. So that was also really interesting um, that we all sort of decided that this class just decided to all go there. I don't, That's I don't, powerful. yeah, it really is now thinking about, it, I have goosebumps because I don't even think I realized the impact of like how every single one of us accepted it, accepted the, the invitation to mm. Texas state. Um, so yeah, I know. And I, I, you know, there's nothing against CCM. It just wasn't for me. I, yeah. I just knew that it wasn't going to make me the kind of performer I wanted to be. And no shade, no Tino shade. Like they're amazing. Like, yeah. hello. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not for a reason. Like there's no, mm-hmm. but um, they just weren't for me. And I'm, I really am so glad I knew that at a young age. I, wow. I, I really am. Yeah. Wow. How do you feel Texas State prepared you for a career now in the theater industry? Well, I have to say, I think I am, I'm the most thing that I'm grateful about is that there was such an emphasis on being a good human and a good artist and Mm -hmm. supporting each other as opposed to trying to compete and bring each other down. I, I don't think I would be the person I am today and as strong as I am and as compassionate as I am if I, if it wasn't for that education. And it really prepared me in that sense, because you, 
you don't compare yourself as much with that kind of knowledge or you have more of a loving support for people who get jobs, which only then is good karma for you. Right. And I think another thing that really was stressed there was how important the behind the scenes people are, the yeah. dressers, the um, stage management, the stage hands, even the janitors. And like, I, re- I will remember forever the speech that Caitlin gave every single year about like, get to know the people who are here, even the people who are cleaning your toilet seats. Like those are the people that matter too. Like, and it was, it's just something that I've really carried with me because it is so important in this business to be kind and, and I don't even think I'm like, we're not taught. I mean, yes, reputation is on the line, but we're not even taught that. That's like not even what she's saying or like what we're told. It's just more so like, why wouldn't you be a good person? Why wouldn't you treat everyone the same? Like, just because you're on stage doesn't make you any better than them. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, but along with that, you build a better reputation. You, you build like people will want to work with you. People will, you know what I mean? This business yeah, is the, so it's, it's so, the business is so small and everyone yeah. knows everyone. And I have to say like almost every single person that I've encountered in person, I mean like people who are well-known in the business, like casting directors and mm-hmm. creative teams talk about Texas state people and how mm-hmm. amazing they are. And like, I don't even think we're, I would have to say, like, I don't even think we're still on the radar yet. Like, I know that we are working, but people don't, like, people aren't, like, Texas State yet. Like, I do know that, you know, Bethany Knox comes to our showcase, and she's like, people are so talented here. But she's (laughs) just learning about us, and we've been around for 10 years, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. But it is also good to see that there is a huge effect on these important people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's really cool to see. And it's cool to see that like we created that. Talk to me about what that good old transition was like from Texas to the quote unquote real world. Did you have a show that you did over the summer or did you just go straight to New York? What'd you do? Okay. So 2014. Wow. I... Well, you know, from being from the Northeast, it wasn't that hard of a transition, but yeah. I do think living in Texas for that long does <laughs> paint a different, a little bit of a different picture. Um, but you still are, we're still used to it. So it's like, oh yeah, it's the city, you know? Yeah. Um, so the transition to New York City specifically wasn't exactly like eye-opening, like as if I was born in the South or born somewhere else and like, mm-hmm. when did, you know what I mean? But I immediately moved to the city because after CRT. So I had a job uh-huh. at Connecticut Rep, you too, in 2014. And I had the previous summer as well, but I mm-hmm. did two shows there. And then I moved immediately to New York in August, like late August. Okay. And, you know, I did the survival jobs. I was a booker for Glam Squad. I don't know if you heard, but it's like when they first came about. Whoa. Yeah. That's how I learned how to do makeup. Wow. Yeah. I was like, oh, I actually think I might want to do makeup event, like, you know, on the side. Cool. So um, I, I was a book for Glam Squad and then I did the host thing. I didn't book anything until 2015 Theater Aspen, but it was another summer gig. So then when I came back and I was in Junie B. Jones, but mm-hmm. then it's like I came back to New York and I still didn't have like another job. So then I nannied. And then mm-hmm. after nannying, 
I booked like this off, off Broadway show. And then that was sort of when I went into fitness and makeup because I realized like, okay, I don't want a nanny anymore. You know, I was already in New York almost two years. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to be here and I'm not going to be doing what I love the most, then what are other things that I do love to do? And that was teaching fitness and doing makeup. And so I honestly just went for it. And from, I want to say like the summer of, no, the spring of 2016, I worked for NARS. Mm -hmm. And then I booked Westchester Broadway Theater, Saturday Night Fever. But on top of that, I would work at NARS because I am the kind of person who like is, I like the finer things. So I want to get my nails done and I like want to do things that when but you, you worked, worked hard for that. I sis, I did because did. I was like, you know what? I'm not just going to live and pay my rent. Like I want to eat healthy foods. I want to eat out with friends. I want to get my nails done. I want to get a blowout. I want to buy clothes. Like I was like, I do not want to live my life just paying for rent. Cause like we're in this beautiful city like, why would I not take advantage of it, you know? Huh? So I worked on top of performing. Wow. And then, and then I booked the Lab of Mean Girls in the spring of 2017. And it was, it's kind of history from there. But I did, believe it or not, still work on top of Mean Girls. I would do, I would pick up freelancing gigs for makeup. I would teach class every so often. And then eventually I didn't do anything. Um, and I just did Mean Girls because I got tired after year two. Mm. Um, so that's like kind of my journey. Um, so I, I really didn't book like consistently or anything for a good two and mm-hmm. a half years. I feel like. Were you, um, uh, after your, after you graduated and after you did your showcase and everything, uh, yeah. did you end up signing with an agent or were you going pretty much I, on your own? I think you and I shared the same agent. Mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah, professional artists, but I never signed with them. I freelanced with them. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the case for you. That, no, me that's, too. That's what they like to do until they, I don't know. They're one of those agents that you stick around for a long time. They eventually yeah. sign you. And yeah. I didn't feel like they didn't work for me because I got a lot of things with them. So I don't even think that was the case there. But so I, I ended up freelancing with them. And um and that's kind of how I got a lot of things, but that didn't stop me from going to ECCs. I also did pay to plays because I knew at that, because my first year out, I was EMC. I wasn't equity until 2015. So I knew that there were days where I wasn't going to be seen. So I decided to spend my money on classes and getting to know casting directors. And it really did work in my favor. Good. Like I was started to be brought in for so many things. That's great. So, yeah, it's it's wild actually. Um, so, I I but I is what's hysterical is I've never been brought in for Telsey. I could never get in for Telsey ever. <laughs> and my first Telsey audition was Mean Girls. <laughs> there is there are just some like casting directors that you just can't get in for. No. But how? funny is that it's hysterical it really is and like I get it right like I get it like they're not gonna bring me in if they don't know me I understand but it just is so ironic that my very first time in front of Telsey was for Mean Girls and then I of course 
It so talk just, to me, talk to me about that audition process. Cause I know that you were involved with the show from the yes. beginning, from its out of town tryout in DC, yes. right? In DC. So tell me about that audition process for that show. So I, um, <laughs> it's really funny because at, you know me, but people don't know that I'm not a dancer. I'm not, that is like, I'm an actor, singer, dancer. Right. And like dancer is like a very good mover. Like, like, <laughs> can't give you a solid triple, can't kick my face, but could, like, fake it. Yeah. So, when I initially went in, I went to the ECC. And I was like, I'm going to go to the singer call because I do not trust myself to show myself first with a freaking dance call. Mm -hmm. I went into the singer call and I didn't get an appointment, but I got an appointment from the singer call which like it, people talk about that happening. And I remember being like, I've never gotten an appointment from a singer call. And then I did. Uh, and I got- Was this for the singer call, were you equity yet? Yes, I was You equity. were, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. Um, and then I had an appointment for just like a general mm -hmm. singing call for Bethany Knox and Casey Hushin. And I went in and I remember like, because it was my first time in the new Telsey office too. And my very first appointment with Telsey, I was frightened. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous right now because I, I just have to do well, you know? Yeah. So I remember going in and they didn't ask me to sing anymore. They didn't ask me to read. Oh my God. I only did 32 bars. And I thought my song was funny because the first time I sang it, they laughed. This time they did not laugh at all. And so I left that room and I started crying and like left. I was like, wow, I thought this was, cause I honestly, a lot of us in the cast have said this, like a lot of us were like, when this show came, like was saying they were gonna cast, we were all like, we have to be in it. Well, I'm gonna be in it. And I remember manifesting me like, no, this show is perfect for me. Like I have to be in it. And so after that audition, I was like, wow, I just like blew my shot. Like mm. I sucked. It was horrible. So I cried it out, right? Two days later, I'm actually at the New York Unifieds with Texas State. Mm -hmm. And I see my email and I have a dance call back. And I started screaming because I was like, wait, what? Like I thought I severely bombed this audition. Uh -huh. And I went into survival mode and just had to pretend, like I walked in there like I was a dancer. So we did the first dance and I really like, honest to God, I was just laughing because I'm like, I'm not a, like they're looking for a dancing ensemble. And I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna like get a callback for this. And then I just kept getting callbacks after callbacks. And then I'm dancing with all these Broadway dancers who've been in Hamilton and stuff. And I'm freaking, I'm like literally shitting my pants. And I remember we had to do this dance like three times in a row. I was, because I was the last, it was like me and just one other girl. It wasn't three. So then it was like every <laughs> I one of y'all. And it was just wild, Maggie. Like. I couldn't believe I was dancing. And let me just say right now, this audition was not like Legally Blonde hip hop. It was a heel stretch promenade into this like turn into fast motions, triple, triple down straddle. Okay. So like I, 
I don't know how I did it. I honestly swear to you, like, I think I just went into survival. Like I said, like, it was one of those things where I was like, wow, I have to book this. And I kind of led with my comedic chops. Yeah. So I like told a story mm-hmm. as I was dancing. Um, and dude, I, I booked it. Like, it's just wild. And like the last audition was in front of Tina Fey. And that was a crazy experience meeting her for the first time and singing in front of her and acting in front of her. It's like, mm-hmm. what? Um, yeah. And then, and then, and then it was that from there. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I literally like there's, and you know, what's wild is I only had like five callbacks where there were so many people there who had like 10 rounds of callbacks of doing wow. things. So I don't know if I was late to the game, you know, or I, I'm not really sure, but thank God. Cause I don't know if I had any more callbacks, I don't know if I would have, it was nuts. Did you, did you guys have to uh, re-audition for the Broadway production? No, no. Some people have like some productions and things like that. They do that. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to do that. Thankfully, Casey's one of those people when he, I mean, I'm, I'm not speaking on his behalf because <laughs> I don't know, but from what I gather is Casey is a very loyal person. And if he feels like the people that he cast are doing the job and he likes them, he's going to keep them and he doesn't need to see them audition again. Hmm. Um, I don't know how other things work. I really don't considering this was my first ever <laughs> Broadway creative lab experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak for other, um, other experiences and creative teams but we did not have to did you did most of the people from that production transfer over to the broadway production yes a couple people didn't um but they are booked and blessed so it doesn't really matter i mean like like honestly i'm like wow good for them i'm so happy for them too you know so it's like that's a good thing to know too is like even if you don't move on it doesn't it really it really doesn't mean that you're not going to get anything else or like that you burned a bridge. It's just more so like maybe you just weren't right for that particular project right? and you're right for something else. And that was very clear and it's really cool to see. So you also understudied Janice, but you're on stage a lot during that show. It's like a whole marathon. So what was your process like learning Janice's track while also learning your own? And then what was it like keeping fresh with that material because you've gone on quite a lot as Janice. Yes, yes, I did. And it's wild. My very first experience as Janice, it was in previews when I had no rehearsal, when the script was still changing and I was learning new stuff for my ensemble track. And I have to say, I just honestly think that because most of the stuff that I do and the ensemble does Janice is either on stage or if not, we're all changing backstage and can hear everything that's going yeah. on. And I think just being, because I was with the project now for a year, it was like almost second nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still wild. Like I remember I blacked out that night. I kind of don't really remember anything, <laughs> which is a wild experience. Um, but I, I, I think what I ended up doing are, from what I remember is I would, as I would quick change, I would recite her lines as she was on stage. And I didn't really have an opportunity because a lot of people who are on stage, if they're not a swing, 
they'll be swung out of the show to follow the person in their track, right. to watch the show. I, I didn't have that, uh, <laughs> that grace. So I, but it's really funny because I, I, I think I did okay. I mean, I, and now when I look back at that experience, so I laugh because I'm like, my God, I didn't even get to work on the styling of her voice. Like I was singing vibrato because that's what I was <laughs> I wasn't even pop rock singing that night. Uh, my Janice was really sporadic and all over the place and very much not in lieu of what Barrett was doing, which isn't uh -huh. wrong, but it's not exactly what, you know what I mean? So yeah. looking back on it too, I'm like, oh my God. And the creative team saw me do that. Like, you know what I mean? But you know, it's, it's just like, you have to, at the end of the day, you just have to go and do, do it. And so that was my rendition. <laughs> did you know, did you always know that you were going on during previews or was this a last minute thing? No, this was the day of like second week of previews. <gasps> yeah, it wow. was wild and I was sick. So wow. I had a sinus infection and I mean, everybody was getting sick. I mean, that's what happened. So mm -hmm. it was, um, <laughs> It was a wild experience. It was a good one. It was a good yeah. one. How, do, how much did the show differ from the DC production to the Broadway production? I would say quite a bit, but I think what saved me was that Janice didn't change much. So good. it was mostly the same mm -hmm. and more, more so we were focusing on like different numbers as an ensemble and different songs and different spacing. Gotcha. So it definitely did change. Like it's, it was a completely different show. Wow. Um, and different songs and the tour it's funny the tour has all these new changes because that's what we ended up doing before it shut down mm -hmm. um, which have a lot of stuff that we had in dc in it so it's really, really yeah mm -hmm. i do think it's hard and like again i can't speak for the creatives but i think it's hard when especially a show like mean girls where people are excited about and want it to open and you have this projected opening date there isn't a lot of time to like really perfect it the way you want to. And so a lot of times what happens is because there's that deadline, it becomes an, in a lot of creative people's, not creative people, the creative team and even the cast, I think feel like it's unfinished or it could be perfected, but mm. that's when the show ends up being frozen. But with tours, that's when a lot of people take the opportunity I had first heard this with Adam's family when Andrew Lippa came to teach mm -hmm. a master class at Texas State. He talked about how they completely redid the tour, like wow. different things, cut songs, new things, because they have that opportunity to do so with it. Whereas when a Broadway show is frozen, you can't do that. However, times are changing. <laughs> and that obviously doesn't really matter because we ended up changing the show on Broadway anyway, and Frozen was doing changes before yeah. they so New songs, like everything. I yeah, I think um, that's not going to be really a rule anymore. Yeah. Does your show does your show match the the tour now? Well, yes, but then we closed two days, so I, I don't even know what show <laughs> we have right now. It's wild, and, and you know what's crazy, Maggie is I didn't even learn the new show. So I have the old show. So when we go back, I'm going to be like, yeah, I don't know anything. Like, I, I don't know any of this new show. Right, because you were, on, you were, you were gone for some time. You, yes. did, were, you weren't back before the shutdown, right? Wow. No, I left the show on medical leave on February. And the la my last show was February 9th. Uh -huh. 
So almost actually a month, a month. And, and it's, I was anticipated to come back in April. So I would go to the changing rehearsals. I would go so I could watch oh, and okay. see what they were changing. I mean, I still didn't really learn it, mm-hmm. but I was, I was seeing what was occurring, but then COVID-19 decided to <laughs> stop that from occurring. So she started to make her appearance. Oh my God. She did. Wow. Well, I, I always think it's fascinating hearing how much shows change from their out of town yeah. tryouts to, to the real life. And I mean, it's, it sounds a little bit, it sounds very similar to the prom. I know I've spoken about the, the prom um, with a couple of people from that cast just made a drastic change. And that show was also in development for like years. Was this production in development for some time or? From what I understand the reading, they started to have readings like 2015. Okay. Um, and then around 2016 is when they decided to assemble it and make it a lab. So I think for like two years prior, and even honestly, maybe 2014, they were doing like demo songs. Mm-hmm. So I know that it's been in development, but, and, and people were reading it. And actually, I believe that some people who did the reading are, are in our cast, which is cool. Um, but I can't, I don't know specifically, but I do know that, yes, like they were, they were working on this material for at least like, I think three to four years before they decided to do something. Well, my last question for you, I could talk to you for days. If you could give one piece of advice to a young artist looking to pursue a career in the theater industry, what would you say? There are so many things I want to say. Oh, 100%. But I feel like something that I lost in college and then, and to no fault of anybody other than myself. And um, even my first like three years here is I lost a lot of trust in what I had to offer and if it was special and if it was Mm. unique and if it was good enough. But I think like the biggest thing that I can hold on to is that we like we were taught this at Texas State, but we really are enough. And I think anybody who is p- pursuing a career in this needs to know that it's never personal and that to trust who you are and what you have to bring and love what you have to bring because there's nobody like us. I mean, yeah, we, re- we can replace people who are similar, but at the end of the day, we are still different. And I think the biggest piece of advice is that to stay true to you are and trust yourself and keep rehearsing your skills. Like there's no stopping. Like even in quarantine, we should be singing every day. Mm -hmm. You know, like it doesn't stop just because the world stops. Like, okay, well the world has stopped right now but that doesn't mean that I can't sing or I can't go over scenes or I can't use my body to strengthen it as to dance. I can't take virtual lessons, things like that. So, I mean, I know it's easier said than done especially at a young age but I feel like at a young age that's where you start to build confidence in yourself and then as you get older, you lose it because the world is damaged and likes to damage us. Mm. So I think if you hold on to your truest self and you're weird and you're unique, <laughs> that's what I would, I would say, just mm. to like keep it, keep it there. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. That's really easy to forget. Really it easy is. To forget. I mean, I still, I still forget it. And yeah. I think I'm just like, it's really hard. Like we are in a business where it is so competitive and like there are so many talented people 
And so it, you can get lost and feel like you're not good enough, but you, you just have to, it's like with almost anything else, like you're not good enough for love or you're not good enough for like majoring in something. It's like, no, we are, we are, we are enough. We just have to believe it. And once that happens, it's really kind of a ripple effect and it makes it, the, your energy that you're putting out there is so much more powerful and contagious. Honestly, people want to work with that too. They want to work with someone that is true to who they are. Right. Um, because right. It's, that is contagious. Yes. And you can see it even, even in the business, like it is very apparent that people who are insecure and don't know who they are. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm holier than thou because my God, I, there are moments, but it is apparent. And like a lot of those things then can manifest in, you know, not treating people well and bashing and gossiping, all that kind of stuff that just like really shouldn't be a thing. Gianna, you're amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I'm very happy we got to do this. I know it's been a while and I'm so I glad I know, that we were supposed to do this back in like, I don't know, February, like. Yeah, when, yes, yes. And when, then shit hit the fan, so. I know, so I'm glad we got to do this, very cool. I love talking about this stuff. It's like, it re-inspires you. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. That, that's what you're here. <laughs> well, thank you, Gianna. You're amazing. Thanks for joining thank us. You. You're amazing. If you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic podcast. Until then, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.